0: Welcome to the Northbrook Next Gen Podcast.
1: A podcast created to help the next generation and the parents and influencers who love them.
0: And now, on to today's show. All right, welcome back to the Next Gen Podcast. My name is Pastor Janelle, and I'm one of the youth pastors here at Northbrook Church. And I'm here with Pastor John, the other youth pastor here at Northbrook.
1: Hey, how are you, Janelle?
0: Good. How are you doing today?
1: I am doing great. The sun is shining. Oh, I know. Summer is coming.
0: I'm so ready for the cold to be done. Yes.
1: I I love summer. I would love to live somewhere where it is warm year round. That um, would be so nice. I'd be all about it.
0: Yes. To wake up to sunshine every single day. Yes. That would be the life.
1: Yes, Absolutely.
0: Well, I'm so excited for today's episode. We titled it Fighting for Your Kids. And if you are new here, if you're new to this podcast, if you're new to Northbrook, um, I just want to give you a little background on both of us because uh, we want you to know who you're receiving these tips and advice from. So um, I am one of the youth pastors here, like I said earlier, and I currently do not have kids yet, but I've been working with students um, and parents for about, oh my gosh, I think it's like almost five years now. Wow, That's crazy. Yeah. It's flown by. Um, but yeah, so I love working with students and I love helping and equipping parents to be the best parent they can um, and just helping them and cheering them on and helping them live their best life at home with their kids. And Pastor John, give let's uh, have you share a little bit of information about um, your life at home, what your family's like.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But before we go there, I definitely agree that I I see uh, your passion, Janelle, for students and for parents raising kids that love God. And so it's really been cool for me to see um, see you on that journey. You've been in Northbrook for about a year now, a little over a year. Crazy. Yes. Um, yeah, but about me, so my wife and I, we have three kids of our own. We have a daughter who is in middle school who is now a part of our youth group, which makes me feel very old, um, <laughs> but it's But it's definitely a privilege to have her um, be old enough to be a part of our ministry. Mm-hmm. And then we have a nine-year-old son, and we have a six-year-old daughter. So we have three kids, and um, yes, we are in the middle of the thick of trying to figure out how to parent a middle schooler down to a six-year-old. Mm-hmm.
0: And I can attest they are like the cutest kids ever.
1: <laughs> we think they're pretty cute. Yes. We'll keep them. <laughs> um, and then beyond that, I have I've worked in student ministry for just over 15 years now and um, love helping parents, trying to equip parents to help them win at home because um, I realized that on my best day, I can do a little to impact a student's life, but parents are the true heroes and the true um, the, the true ones that impact a child's life for the long term. So I'm very passionate about helping parents win at home and uh, raise up the next generation.
0: Yeah, and I'm gonna add this in here and we can cut this out if we want to, but I feel like we make a really good team because you have the perspective of a parent because you've been a parent for quite a while now and I'm, st- I'm still younger. I'm only 27, but I still have a lot of fresh memories of what it's like to be a teenager and what it's like to be a student. So I feel like we make a really good team in that way because we can really help parents see both perspectives in a lot of ways. So it's it's a really fun fun dynamic we have. For sure. Are
1: you saying I'm too old to remember when you was 18? No. I'm, I'm, just I'm kidding.
0: <laughs> My memories might be a little more fresh, but I'm not saying that. Um, no, no. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> So, okay, let's dive right in. So today we are going to be talking about nine thoughts for you or ideas um, that are about fighting for your kid. And parenting can feel like a fight with your kids a lot of times, but we think a big part of being a parent and healthy parenting is choosing the fight for your kids instead of with them as much as possible. So we're going to go ahead. We're going to dive right into the first um, piece of advice that we have when it comes to fighting for your kids. So Pastor John, what is that? And just go ahead and dive right in for us.
1: Absolutely, Um, but before I dive in, one thing I do want to say is these nine thoughts or ideas are definitely not original to us. Um, These are from books and podcasts and different resources um, that we've picked up, and honestly, i got to give a shout out to my wife. Uh, My wife does a ton of reading and listening, and so some of these are are things that she's learned over the years, Um, and so, uh, yeah, I just uh, want to pass these on to you. So the first, uh, our first idea, our first thought for you is fight to choose vision-based parenting over fear-driven parenting. Fight to choose vision-based parenting over fear-driven parenting. Um, I think, you know, we live in a day and an age where it's very easy to parent with fear as the motivating factor. Mm-hmm. Um, but fear is, is not a good driver uh, when it comes to parenting. And I think it's easy to get so focused on what we as parents don't want to happen for our child or in our child's life, um, in other words, what we're trying to prevent, that we actually stop thinking and putting time and effort into what we actually do want to happen, um, and a simple exercise that can help you see if you are if you're fi- if you're fighting with vision-based parenting or fear-driven parenting in your child's life um, is take sixty seconds, pull out a piece of paper, get a pen, and uh, just. Take 60 seconds and write down all the fears that you have for your child. Like all the things you're trying to prevent, all the things you don't want to happen. Um, Just real quick, take 60 seconds and do that. Mm -hmm. And then take another 60 seconds, flip the page over, and then make a a list of all of the things you do want to happen. All the dreams that you have for your child or for your children. And then compare which, and, and ask yourself, which came easier? Was it easier to write the list of things that you are afraid of or don't want to have happen? Um, or was it easier to write a list of dreams? And what I found is when I do that exercise, I often find that it's easier for me to come up with things that I'm trying to prevent than the dreams that I have for my kids, the, the, the things that I'm trying to help them become, the character traits I'm trying to develop. And so um, it's a simple exercise, but I think that helps when it comes to fighting to choose vision-based parenting. And uh, it's kind of that idea of, you know, you can be a reflective parent or a reactive parent. And, you know, when you react, it's usually, uh, usually we react out of fear, um, whereas reflective is more seeing the big picture. And uh, reflective is continuing to dream and pray and and see the big picture of what you want your child to be.
0: And I, can I say something Positive, (laughs) because optimism is my favorite thing. I think something that that we can encourage our parents with too is that like fear, it it just means that you care too. For
1: sure. Yeah. Yeah. There's no guilt. Yeah, absolutely. There's yeah. no guilt. Like as parents, it's very easy to be afraid only because we care. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely. So
0: right. But it's it's really good to direct to direct that in in a healthy way and not let it control you or be your driver, no matter what season of life you're in, whether you're parenting or not. But that's really good.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So so I would say um, a simple application for this first point is uh, to sit down with your child or children and uh, talk about the dreams or the plans that you have for them. And maybe ask them what their dreams are, or the plans they have in their heart, depending on their age. Obviously, some ages be more appropriate than others. Um, and then work towards that. You know, work towards the dreams that you have. If you if you have a, a dream that your your child's going to grow up to be a person um, that tells the truth, like, you know, what are you doing to help them grow into a person that tells the truth? Or if you want them to be a person that's a hard worker, um, you know, that has grit and determination, um, what are you currently doing in their life to help them grow in their grit, and their determination.
0: I love how those dreams that you said to write down, uh, like you gave examples of characteristics of your kid, not like, I want my kid to be the next president. Like, that's my dream for them. You know what I mean? Like, I love that you are encouraging parents to envision the kind of person that they're going to be rather than like what they're going to achieve and what they're going to accomplish. Like, I just think that's so good.
1: Yeah. And I, and I think it is life-giving for a parent. Um, You know, when you are parenting out of a fear and what you're trying to prevent, that is extremely exhausting. Um, I've spoken as someone that has had seasons in my life where I've definitely parented from a fear. Um, Base, But when you parent out of the dreams and the goals that you have for your child, and again, yes, character, not necessarily I want them to be the star basketball player as much as I would love that. (laughs) Um, But when you parent out of that way, it's actually, in some ways, it's life-giving. And it's not cool. Even though it's still exhausting, parenting is always exhausting, uh, it's less exhausting when you parent from a vision-based perspective over a fear-driven perspective.
0: I love that. I love that. So good. Okay, so jumping ahead to the next one, um, which is fight to understand the season you're in. So, Pastor John, why don't you unpack that for us?
1: Yeah, so so parenting is a series of seasons, and um, I don't know, you know, what age uh, parent you know parents have um, the the children that parents have, what ages they are um, that are listening to this podcast, um, but. Parenting is a, a series of seasons, yeah. and so when you're younger, um, parenting is a season of primarily being a protector. When when children are really little, when they're babies, um, you know you're protecting them, you're keeping them alive. And as they slowly grow into the toddler stage, you're still protecting them and keeping them from falling down the stairs. And um, and then slowly you begin to move into teacher role, where you're teaching them, you're teaching them simple things like how to tie their shoes, um, how to eat, you know, all all of the simple things of life. And then you begin to teach them, as they get a little bit older, more important things. Um, You know, you start to get into character development and teaching them the difference between right and wrong, telling the truth. Mm -hmm. And um, so it's important to understand the season you're in because eventually, as a child grows, you start to move from teacher um, to what I will call coach. And the difference between a teacher and a coach, uh, though there are some similarities for, for my purposes is that while a teacher is instructing, a coach instructs and then allows the person on their team to go and do it. And so as parents, it's important that we teach, but then it's also important as our, as our kids get older um, to give them opportunities to get in the game, um, to, to have opportunities to go and, and live life. And you're still coaching them, but it's, it's from a little bit of a different a distance. You're giving them a little bit of space to go out, and to live life and to try out the things that you're teaching them. And, um, and then from coach, as students grow older, um, we're starting to get into high school, you, you're, you're, again, the season changes and you move to more of a cheerleader and mentor where, again, your, your role changes. And now you're encouraging them, you're cheering them on. Hopefully you're having opportunities to mentor them. Um, but it's, it's different. It looks different than middle school or before middle school. And the goal, I think, is to have as smooth a transition as possible through the different seasons. And um, where parents can get into trouble, where I can get into trouble, is when I am stuck in a season but my kid has moved past that. Yeah. So I am trying, what they need is a coach, but I'm still trying to protect and teach. And it's actually stunning their growth. That's good. Um, I'm afraid to let them fail. You know, a coach puts them in the game and he lets, and if he's a good coach, he'll put them in a position to score the winning shot or or have the winning hit. But that also means they can fail. Hmm. Um, And sometimes as parents, we get so protective, we we keep our kids out of the game because we think we're doing them a favor, Um, but we're actually stunning their growth. That's good. And so just being being aware of the season that you are in as a parent and what your kid needs from you um, and hopefully transitioning as smoothly as possible through the different seasons and different roles um, is super uh, super helpful, super important as a parent.
0: Um, That's so good. yeah and I, I think love that
1: yeah yeah and I think a great application question from this point. Uh, would be to ask yourself, um, what am I doing now that my grown child will someday thank me for? Um, you know, what? Am, how am I coaching them? How am I protecting them? How am I teaching them? How am I mentoring them, depending on what season of life they're in, in a way that someday they'll thank me for. And they may not thank me now in the moment for doing it, but someday they'll look back and go, oh, I get it. Yeah. Um, and so, um, yeah, simple application question I
0: think you can ask yourself. You know, it's so funny because as you're sharing this, I'm, like, thinking back to, like, how my parents did this a lot growing up, and I, I just – I really appreciate like how much they set me up for like exactly what you're talking about, like being able to go out on your own and, and they weren't afraid to like let me fail. You know, they would push me to go outside of my comfort zone. They would push me to try things that made me uncomfortable. And because of that, you know, now as an adult, I'm not afraid to do things that sometimes I'm intimidated by or scare me or that I think I can't do. I like push and I, I feel like they instilled that grit in me. So I can speak and testify as someone who uh, as that kid who appreciates you know their parents and how they set their their child up for success in this area so that's so good I love that that teach the protector to coach transition mentality that's that's really good oh so okay jumping into the next one number three fight to help them cultivate a heart of gratitude Hmm. So, so what does that mean, Pastor John?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So what's interesting is they've done a number of studies. um, And what they found is that young adults who cultivate gratitude in their teen years um, live happier and healthier lives, regardless of the circumstances they find themselves in as an adult, Hmm. which I think is just a huge revelation. Um, That is a huge revelation. That As we parent our kids, you know, a lot of times I think it's easy for me as I parent my kids um, to say, oh, I just want them to be happy as an adult. And the temptation that parents uh, can lean towards is I want to make them happy now um, and hopefully they'll be happy as an adult. So I'm going to give them everything they want. Yeah. But what this study shows is that it's not about giving our kids everything they want, but rather teaching them to be grateful for what they have. Yeah. Um, and that is a shift. That is a big shift in in the way that a lot of parents parents. It was a shift for me when I when I kind of had that realization that my parents don't need or my, my kids don't need everything. Yeah. Um, what they what I can give them is a heart of gratitude, um, and that's going to help them live happier and healthier lives after they leave my health house. Mm-hmm. And so, um, some practical ways that parents can do this. Um, little ways, It just the first is pretty obvious, but it's lead by example. Um, talk mm-hmm. about what you're thankful for. Talk about what you're grateful for. Um, we have a simple practice in our house. Most nights we go around the table at dinner and we all share one thing we're thankful for from that day.
0: Mm, I love um, that.
1: And it's just a simple practice to help my kids realize that no matter how their day went... There is something to be thankful for. There is something to be grateful for. And that doesn't mean that they can't share their disappointments and their heartache. And there's yeah. obviously a side to that. Um, but we do want to cultivate that heart of gratitude. Yeah. Um, we always want to ask what went right. You know, what went right in your day? You know, we want to hear about what, what went wrong, but also what went right. Like, yeah. let's let's talk about what went right.
0: Yeah, gratitude changes your whole perspective. And it it has a lot to do with your mental health, too, which yeah. is so crazy. And
1: yeah.
0: I think, doesn't it talk a lot in scripture about gratitude and how that's so good for your heart as well?
1: For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think a trap parents can fall in um, is it, uh, when we're busy, we often give our attention to our kids when things are going wrong. Mm-hmm. But the problem is when we only give our attention to kids when things are going wrong, then that teaches them that this is what I should focus on because then I'll get my parents' attention. Hmm. Um, so we need to be careful that we also give our attention when things go right in our kids' lives, when they're excited, when they're celebrating, when they're thankful for something. Um, we need to give that attention too because that, that helps them realize to focus on those things as well. Um, and, and big ways, uh, some big ways that, that I found that students can develop Hearts of Gratitude – um, or at least bigger ways than just going around the dinner table uh, would be like mission strips. Yeah. Now, obviously, when we're recording this, we're, we're about a year into COVID. Yeah. So I'm not sure what mission strips will look like in the near future, but as much as, you, as we can get students to experience a culture that is different than theirs, mm-hmm. um, or maybe there's not quite as much material possessions, um, that can cultivate an attitude of gratitude. Um, in the meantime, documentaries, yeah. uh, books, podcasts, um, guest speakers that have a different perspective; those are all bigger things that you can uh, expose your child to that will help them develop that attitude of uh, gratitude. So those are a uh, those are a few of the bigger ways that I think uh, you can be intentional to help them um, grow that attitude of thankfulness.
0: That's good. I'm just gonna put this in here. It's probably not gonna be relevant for everyone because COVID's gonna end eventually. But I think that I've seen students. Uh, develop gratitude in this, this season, even though it's been really hard because they didn't realize how much they had to be grateful for until a lot of it was taken away from them. And so um, I think even in seasons of, you know, hardships, we can still definitely encourage our kids and our students to seek gratitude, even when they're facing challenging circumstances. So for sure. Okay, so I'm really excited about this next one, and it's fight to build a team for your child. Um, I think this is so important and so essential, um, just speaking as a um, young adult. Uh, So Pastor John, can you give our parents a little picture of what this looks like?
1: Yeah. Well, I'm going to go back to research again. I love research. Um, And so they've done a lot of research, And what they found is that the chance of success in college and in life for young adults um, goes up dramatically when young adults have adults that are not their parents, so mentors, advisors, pastors, friends, um, that are guiding them and helping them and giving them advice. And um, more than that, for people of faith, they found that students uh, who keep their faith after high school um, usually have multiple adult faith influences. In other words, people outside their parents um, of faith that are influencing them, mentoring them, that are part of their lives, that help them keep their faith strong after high school. And so that alone, I think, is worth saying, all right, we got to do whatever it takes to have adults surround our children as as they grow up.
0: And shameless plug, we have a perfect place where you can do that uh, here at Seven Student Ministries on Wednesday nights with your huddle leader.
1: For sure. That is, that is the reason <laughs> why we have huddle leaders at seven. That This reason, exactly. Yeah. Um, and so just parents, just finding, um, being intentional to seek out adults that will influence your child. Um, it could be a teacher. It could be a pastor. It um, could be a huddle leader at seven. It could be friends. It um, could be relatives, neighbors. Um, finding adults that have uh, faith that are wise and just allowing them to be a part of their of your child's life, intentionally inviting them into your child's life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's been said that this current generation coming up, even though they are so connected digitally, um are in fact the loneliest generation. Yeah, uh, it's one of the titles that's been given them because they just they lack, the community that many of us experienced growing up. And so we, we really, as parents, we have to fight. So not only give them community with their peers, which which I think is important, but also give them a community of adults that are fighting for them. Yeah. And if we can give them a community of adults who love them, um, who have wisdom and, and strong faith, uh, we, we are giving them such a leg up to succeed in their future just by surrounding them with a team of people that care about them.
0: Yeah, and I definitely had this growing up like we had a really strong group of um like church family friends and it was just so cool like looking back seeing how I didn't realize it at the time and sometimes I was annoyed and thought they were just like cheesy and whatever, but it really impacts your student and how much they see faith, especially when they see adults living out their faith that like, aren't you, you know, like it just like makes it real for them because they're like, oh my, it's not just my parents' faith. Like other people are living this out and they're living this abundant life with Jesus. And so like, it gives them a model to look up to and to strive towards, even if they don't realize it at the time, it's totally influencing them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, Every parent that's been a parent for a while has had that moment where their kid comes home and says, so-and-so told me this, and it made so much sense. And as a parent, you're thinking, I've told you that for years. But there's something about when someone else says it, um, God can use it. And so surrounding, surrounding our kid with those people is so important.
0: And parents, go be that for someone else's kid too.
1: Absolutely. Yes. Yeah.
0: 10 out of 10, definitely recommend doing that. Yeah. So, okay, moving on. Number five. Is fight to encourage or be your child's biggest fan. So go ahead and unpack that for us.
1: Yeah, um, you know students hear a lot of negative comments in their lives. Um, if they're on social media, they're they're seeing and hearing negative. Um, you know, negative comments, depending on their age, if they are at all checking out the news, they Mm. are seeing and hearing negative comments. Um, if they are surrounded by friends, even, even the best friends can sometimes be sarcastic and put them down kind of as a joke. Um, and so their world is full of negativity. I don't care who they are or what school they go to. Um, there, there's, there's negativity, Mm-hmm. And I think as parents, sometimes it's hard for us because we want to help them make the right decisions. And so it's easy to point out ways they can improve. Yeah, Often that comes off as negative. Um, and there is absolutely a place for that uh, as, a, as a teacher and coach and model. Um, but research has shown that um, for every negative comment, that someone makes in someone else's life, if they are for them, they should balance that with ten positive comments. Yeah. Now, depending on the study, it's, I've seen like five or seven or ten positive comments for every one negative comment. If you are, um, if you're really trying to influence someone in a positive way, and so um, my encouragement to parents is to encourage. To encourage your child, to be a cheerleader for your child, um, to find ways to praise them and not just generically praise them, but specifically praise them. Yeah. Um, there's a there's a huge difference between generic praise. Oh, you're just awesome. Like that's that's generic and that's fine, but what would be better would be, hey, I love the way that you applied yourself and got an A on that test.
0: Yeah. You know, it's so funny that you're saying this. I'm remembering all of a sudden this is like popping to my head. My senior year of high school, I had this English teacher and he was my favorite English teacher because he was the first English teacher that ever wrote positive and negative feedback on my papers.
1: And you remember it yes. years later. Yes. Yeah, it's exactly what I'm talking about. So good. Yeah. Yeah, so be specific in your praise. Uh, be intentional to catch them doing things right. Um we as parents are awesome at catching them doing things wrong. Um and sometimes we ignore when we catch them doing things right when they, you know, when they open the door for someone at the store. Or um, when they sh- actually do share with a sibling or and do, they do compliment a friend, um, point that out, you know, when yeah. it's appropriate, praise them for that. Say, hey, I noticed that you did that. I'm proud of you. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, speak life over your child. Um, the Bible says that, our, that we speak life and death with our tongue. And so be intentional to speak life. Yes, there are times where, you know, you have to point out something negative, but also be sure to invest in, in the positive.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, you know, someone once said, I, I heard someone once say, and this really hit me, they said, if your words over your child, the things you say to them, were written on a T-shirt that they wore, what would they say? And that's mm-hmm. kind of sobering when you stop wow. Yeah, and think about if, if, if the words that you said over your child in a given day were written on a T-shirt they had to wear, Um, would you be, would you be proud? Would you be horrified? That's that's deep. Yeah. Wow. It it challenged me. It challenged me as I, you know, as I said, I have three kids. And when I think back on, there've been days where I'd be okay with the t-shirt they wore that had my words and there'd probably be other days where I'd be horrified, but, Mm -hmm. um, it really stops you and makes you think about what you're saying. And it's just so important, uh, to, to fight, to encourage, encourage your children, be, be a fan and catch them doing things right.
0: That's so good. I feel like this is just like a fire hydrant full of just like wisdom and good information, so I'm really excited. So we're gonna keep going here. We got, let's see, one, two, three, four left. So we're gonna jump into number six, which is fight through what to why. Fight through what to why. So Pastor John, what does that mean?
1: Yes. So you know, as a parent, I think it's I think it's easy to stop at um, what, and what I mean by that is um, information, like what we want our children to do, um, what we want them to think. Um, You know, I mean, let's be honest. How many parents have used that phrase, because I said so, when they're asked (laughs) why they're supposed to do something? Um, But the reality is this is a very interesting day and age um, for students. And so if you have a child that is in middle school or high school specifically, um, and eventually they're going to get a little computer in their hand called a smartphone, and once they have that smartphone, um, they can look up any information that they want. Yeah. They, there is an abundance of information in front of them. Like encyclopedias, those days are long gone. They have a smartphone. They can look up anything. And so um, teens uh, uh, specifically, uh, by the time a child enters their teenage years, they don't need more information, like what to believe. What they need is help interpreting information. They need to know why they should be believing it.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, it used to be you could say, "Here's what we believe. We believe, um, for example, that you know Jesus is the Son of God. He died on the cross, rose again, and you know a child would just believe it. Uh, a teen would just believe Back it. Back
0: in the simple days, yeah.
1: You know they <laughs> they unless they had a friend that was an atheist that had some really good persuasive arguments, um, that was good enough, right? Okay, that's what we believe yeah. in this house. That's what we believe in this culture. That's what we believe in this family. But now, a, a simple Google search, and they can find endless information on why that is not true, on why yeah. Jesus didn't die and rise again, why why that's made up. And so, um, as much as we can, as parents, we have to help our students, we have to help our children, not just understand the what, but move past it to the why. Yeah. Why is this true? Why Why does this apply to my life? Um, why? Why are these things things that I should give my life to? Because there's going to be someone else in their ear, whether it be online, whether it be a friend, whether it be um, a college professor that is going to disagree with it, that is going yeah. to say that the what we told them is not true.
0: Which is going to it, – it's more challenging. It takes more work to to make that switch.
1: Oh, a ton more. For sure. A ton more, which is why I tell parents to give themselves extra grace because I think this is the hardest time in the history of the world to be a parent.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, because everything you say – can be disagreed with by strangers online, and yeah. your child can find it once they get <laughs> to that age where they have a smartphone. And so, um, yeah. yeah, being being willing to move past the what to the why is a lot of work.
0: It's, yeah, and it really challenges parents to really take ownership into their faith and and dive deeper because sometimes they think as parents, I don't know, like. I think being a youth pastor, I've been challenged to do this more because I see that students are wanting that why. They're wanting that why. And so it makes you, you know, really dig deep into why you believe what you believe and, and really be ready so that you can explain that to your child or your students or, or whatever it may be. Absolutely. Yeah. So, okay. Number seven is fight to win the technology battle, which is such a hot topic right now, and it has been for the past few years. I, I just... I my heart goes out to parents um, like you just said it's the hardest season in the history of the world to be parents right now because technology just adds a whole nother layer to it so um, Pastor John, why don't you dive into that for us?
1: Yeah. So I'm just going to give a few thoughts. We actually um, are going to be recording another podcast um, that is just going to be on technology. So by This time, is another podcast th- in and of itself. Yes, it is. <laughs> and so by the time parents are listening to this, you can go on the Next Gen website and then there probably will be um, a, a technology podcast available. But just to just to give a couple thoughts here, and then again, I'll expound on this or we'll expound on this. Um, in the podcast dedicated to just technology. Uh, But there is, there's a fight um, in your home for technology. Um, There's a fight over um, whether it's going to influence your child in a positive or negative way. Technology Mm -hmm. is not bad or good. It just is. Mm -hmm. It's a tool and it's really how we use it. And so um, I think the first step is just realizing that Technology can be a great gift, but it can also be a source of a huge amount of pain for your child. And um, especially when it comes to smartphones, once once your child gets that age where they can have a smartphone, um, where they get social media, there are a lot of great things. There are also a lot of, of uh, troubling things um, mm-hmm. that can happen with a smartphone. Um, mm-hmm. So there's a lot of studies of uh, depression that's linked to social media. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of studies on um, the addiction that social media can become, much like any other drug. Mm-hmm. Um, students need that um, that ping or that sign of, uh, oh, someone liked my picture or someone texted me or someone thought of me, and um, it can become addicting. Yeah. Um, and that can lead to some sleep issues. All that um, blue light. <laughs> yeah, all the blue light, not going to sleep, uh, waking up tired because they're not sleeping well because of technology. Um, there have been a lot of studies on lack of creativity and productivity. Um, mm. Attention spans are going down because of technology, and um, and then of course there is the fact uh, that technology opens up a world of porn, yeah. uh, pornography, and um, you know this. Depending on what study you read, um, anywhere between like eighty to ninety percent of teenage boys um, typically look at pornography on a regular basis, which. Um, again, is a whole nother talk in itself. Yeah, but uh, these are just some of the negative aspects of technology, and um, and so there's a whole uh, again. This could be a whole another talk on what to do about it, how to leverage technology for good. Um, but just a couple quick thoughts that I'll give, and really, it's just kind of a promo to t- listen to the other one. because like,
0: plug. Yes, we
1: can't <laughs> we can't go through all of it, but I will say a couple things. Uh, um, I, and I think it starts. The first thing you can do is just talk about it. Yeah. Like talk about with your with your children with your with your teens. Just talk about technology and ask them um, questions. You know, do you think going on social media is it making you happy or depressed? Mm-hmm. Um, is it hard for you to enjoy a conversation without staring at your phone? Mm-hmm. Um, and,
0: and a lot of times they realize it. Oh, for sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah. When when do you feel better? Do you feel better when you go outside and go for a walk, or when you watch, um, you know, Netflix all day? Like, yeah. when do you feel happier?
0: Like, can I give an example real quick? Sure. Yeah. So, like at my last church, we would say no phones on like our summer camp trips and stuff like that. And initially, they'd be kind of upset and just, they just like didn't want to leave their phone because it's their world. But then after they get back at camp, they're like, Oh, I don't wanna I don't want my phone back. Like, I just felt so good like being disconnected and and like first they were mad because they lost all their snap streaks, but then they they just they knew that like that their mental health felt so much better afterwards. So students know it as much as they're addicted to phones and their technology, like I, they realize that it definitely affects them in a negative way.
1: Yeah. 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 I'll just give one more thought. There's a ton more, but we'll, we'll leave the rest for the other podcast. <laughs> um, and that is, especially if you have younger kids where you're still setting rules, um, keep screens in common areas. Um, yeah. Keep the screens in common areas. We have a rule in our house that iPads, cell phones, TVs do not go in bedrooms. Um, and I, I know some parents are a little surprised by that rule, but. If you talk to people that research technology, um, some of the creators of this technology, they will all say it's it's one of the best rules you can you can establish in your house.
0: Really, wow!
1: Um, and it creates accountability, um, and it also helps people be uh, your your children be more intentional when they choose to go on a screen. Um, and it keeps them from um, not getting a good night's sleep because yeah. they're not on it the last second before they fall asleep. So, um,
0: it's a good tip for adults, too. <laughs> yeah,
1: honestly, yeah, honestly, uh, it's not a bad tip for adults yeah. as well. So, a lot more I could say on that. But um, I, again, I think just being aware that there's a technology battle in your home and talking about it is the first step.
0: All right, moving on. Number eight fight to help them create margin. Go ahead and dive into that for us, Pastor John.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, so again, when you look at trends when it comes to um, this generation, uh, one trend that you notice is that more and more students are feeling overwhelmed and or depressed. And there's lots of reasons for that. Um, but one of the reasons they're identifying is that, that this generation uh, just doesn't have a lot of margin in their life. Mm-hmm. They have extremely busy schedules. Um, they go from one thing to the next thing. Um, they're balancing schoolwork. They have homework. They have extracurricular activities. They get old enough. They start having a job. And one of the best things that I think we can teach our young people, our, our students, our children, is that a good thing plus a good thing plus a good thing does, nec- does not necessarily equal a great life. And so, in other words, if you, get, if you pack in too many good things into your schedule, it just results in stress. Mm -hmm. And so helping our students create margin in their life where they pick and choose and say, you can't do everything. You weren't. In fact, God didn't create you to do everything. Yeah. Um, And so pick and choose the best things and leave some margin. Mm -hmm. Um, They did a a fascinating study in a school in Georgia a few years ago. Um, The school was having problems. Uh, Their students were stressed, depressed. Um, Students were failing classes. And so all all the school did was they created a little period in the middle of the day uh, that was free space, hmm. where students could go to a teacher if they had problems, or just take a few minutes to breathe. And once they did that, their failure rate dropped 160 percent. no the school. way. Yeah. Yes. And the students and teachers in the school said they became less stressed.
0: I've never heard
1: that before. Yeah, crazy, crazy. But such a simple thing and yet so powerful. Wow, and so I just I just want to encourage parents to to fight to help your child have margin. Um, you know, it's it's interesting to me that over the fifteen years of youth ministry, I feel like there's a, there's a concerning trend where more and more kids. When I ask them how they're doing when they come in on a Wednesday night, <laughs> they sigh and they just say, "I'm just really busy." Yeah. And at first I kind of pushed back into that and I thought, ah, they're just bad at time management. They're not really busy. <laughs> uh, but the, w- when I dive into that and I start asking questions and I'm just curious, the more I start to go, oh my gosh, you are really busy. Yeah. You have a ton of homework. You're, you know, you're in a school play or a sport. You have a part-time job and you're trying to have a social life, you're trying to be a good um, Christian and come to church mm-hmm. and you are, you are too busy. Mm-hmm. And so just being aware of that as a parent, yeah. um, helping our, helping our children have good time management skills where they do um, steward their time well, yeah, but also create that margin to just be, yeah. to just breathe, just enjoy life.
0: And I feel like I can imagine that as a parent, that would be really, really hard because that is so countercultural. cultural, counter cultural. And because our culture tells us to just like go achieve, try to get as much done. And especially with technology, like it just speeds up everything. And now you're supposed to multitask and do like a million different things. And so I feel like it would be tempting to to think that that's not always a good thing because then your, your kid's not doing enough. They need to fill that space, do more. Like they could be doing something productive during this time, whereas like, that that um, margin is actually going to help them succeed even more than if they just like filled that space with a bunch of stuff. Would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and
1: I think I think it is difficult for parents because yeah. as parents, we we go on social media and we see the parents who have their kid at the soccer practices, yeah, and the baseball practices, and um, you know piano practice, and yeah. and we're like, oh my gosh, like I got to do everything. Yeah, I got to be just as good as that parent. And, you know, we start to feel this pressure to have our kids in everything and doing everything. Mm -hmm. Um, And so as parents, we have to check our hearts and make sure that we are leading in a healthy way and we're not just trying to keep up with the Joneses or whatever, you know. And um, so, yeah, it it does come back on us as parents to take to take a deep um, look at why why we're pushing the things that we are um, yeah. on our kids, and is it from a healthy place or is it from a, a competition a competitive place?
0: Yeah, and and being okay with the the margin that you create not being the norm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And sitting in that. Yeah. Okay. Last but our last and finally I was gonna say last but not least, but it is the last one. Um, so number nine is fight for the relationship, which I think is, you know, kind of all-encompassing in a lot of the things we've just talked about, but it's really um, the cherry on top of everything that we've um, discussed in this episode. So um, Pastor John, why don't you go ahead and dive into that?
1: Yeah, I mean, this one is, is fairly simple, but I think very powerful. Uh, we have one of our values here in our Next Gen ministry in Northbrook is called Fight for the Heart, mm-hmm. and that's where this that's where this idea comes from. Um, It's the idea that you can do a lot of things as a parent, but if you lose your influence with your child or with your teen, um, you can't do much. Mm -hmm. And so at at the end of the day, um, influence comes out of relationship. And so if you have a relationship with your child, you can still influence them or even your grown child. Mm -hmm. If you lose that relationship... um, you lose, you, lose, you lose your ability to influence. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Andy Stanley as uh, a pastor in Atlanta, Georgia. In all of his parenting materials, he, he always said that he parented in a way that he wanted his kids when they were grown to come over when they didn't have to. Yeah. And I think that's a great target to shoot for as a parent, um, that, you know, you want to parent as best you can, but at the end of the day, you want to do whatever you can to fight for the relationship.
0: Yeah. Can I give some one practical thing I think would be good? Okay. I think... For parents, you know, just find what your student or sorry, your kid, find what your kid enjoys and thinks is fun and enter into that with them. Like try out like just entering into their world. Like if your son loves to play video games, play video games with him. Yeah, you might not enjoy it yourself as much, but um, he's going to like feel that you are entering into his world and, and you that is, I think, just like a prime example of fighting for the relationship and having that. Um, connection to eventually influence them in the best way possible
1: yeah it's it's so funny you said that yesterday, um, my son went to play video games with me. He went to play this game called Smash Bros and <laughs> I was like, oh I don't you know I don't really want to play but I played with him and the stinker beat me. I was so <laughs> I, was, I tried not to get mad, but I was so irritated that he beat me but to him it was like the best thing ever
0: Wow and
1: it's so funny you said that but yeah it, it really is about keeping that relationship at the yeah. end of the day. Um, it's earning it, you know, as a parent, we think we have the right to speak into our kid's life in a way we do, yeah. but as they get older, um, unfortunately uh, the reality is, uh, we don't necessarily get the right once they're out of the house to speak into their lives. Like, like it's a privilege at yeah. that point, like they get to decide how much they want to listen to
0: us. Exactly. And so
1: fighting for that, fighting for the heart, continuing to have that influence with your child by keeping the relationship strong mm-hmm. is so important.
0: I love that. I'll give one more example before we wrap up. Um, At my last church, one of the past teaching pastors there, we were really close with their family. And um, I think sometimes it's interesting because like we said, you know, video games and you're a guy. So it's probably easier to make that connection. But um, one of our teaching pastors, he had a high school daughter and she loved, she loved to sew. She loved sewing. Obviously that was like not his interest at all, Um, but he really wanted to be intentional and spend time with her and like have fun with her. So one day he asked her, you know, I want to spend the day with you. Like, what do you want to do? And she said, well, I really want to sew. And so he just sat next to her and watched her sew and just chatted with her and just entered into, even though that's definitely not the way he would have chosen to spend his time, but he chose to, to have fight for that relationship and, and push past maybe some of those selfish desires that we have sometimes to only spend our time the way we want. And, and to really just fight for that relationship. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. mom. Wow. So that wraps up our uh, nine tips to, to fight for your kid. Um, And parents, I really hope that um, you uh, loved all these. I know I feel like I've learned so much. And and no matter where you are in your season of parenting, whether you have younger kids, middle school kids, or high school kids, or if you haven't had kids yet, um, I feel like these are really, really good pieces of wisdom that um, you can take with you, whether you're preparing to be a parent or in the thick of it. Um, I know that these will be really good um, tools for you to take with you. And I hope that, we hope that, you walk away from this podcast feeling equipped, feeling like you're ready and feeling like we can help you be the best parent that you can be. So any uh, closing thoughts, Pastor John?
1: Yeah. I just, I just say that, you know, we are, we're praying for your parents. Um, we love you. We we want you to win. And if there's anything we can do, um, or if you have any follow-up questions on any of this, or you want some practical ideas on how to apply some of this, Reach out to us. You can find our info on the website and give us a call, send us an email. So we're here. We're cheering you on. We believe in you. And um, any way that we can come alongside you and help you as a parent when at home, uh, we want to do it.
0: Awesome. Thanks for tuning into this episode, and we'll see you on the next one. Thanks for listening to this
1: Northbrook Next Gen Podcast. Be sure to check the show notes for relevant info and check back for more podcasts coming soon.